Good evening, guys. Uh, it's a privilege and a joy to be here. Um, it really is. It really is. Um, it uh, it occurred to me as I was putting this together that uh, today is a very poignant day. It marks uh, five years to the week that my life turned around, and uh, so I'm I'm going to be sharing my uh, my story with you. Um, Really, it started last last week at Communitas. For those that who weren't here, um, who was here and heard Kansas' story? Who was here? The, the, those of you who weren't here, um, you, you, you missed something really special, and I was really, really blessed by it. Um, Kansas, who's just sitting there uh, next to Karen, um, was hit by a, a truck at 65 miles an hour going down a freeway. She was on her way to a... Uh, a wakeboarding session and um, that car wreck put her in a coma and uh, she was in hospital for about four weeks and she came out of her coma after receiving a tracheotomy so she could breathe and receive life-giving nutrients. Um, When she came out of the coma out of hospital she had to have speech therapy, physical therapy and occupational therapy. She couldn't speak and um, Here she is today. She's just sitting right there. <clears throat> I, I was just so blessed by her story, and as she was as she was uh, sharing her story, um, I just became so aware that, and, and this is very new for me, um, and I'm just going to go right out the bat and be open about this. I, I felt like that the Father delighted in you. That is a new thing for me. Um, so I just want to say I was really blessed by that. Um, listen, um, I, I'd like to pray, and then I'm going to share my story with you. Um, along the way, I'm going to pick out some things, and maybe I will sort of unpack a little bit about what I learned about God, what I learned about life, what I learned about faith. Um, and then I'll wrap that up at the end with um, some things that I've learned along my journey. What I, what I, know, is, what I know is this. Um, all of us are on a journey. And I don't know yours. I don't know the position that you're in tonight. You might have come here filled up with the Spirit. You might have uh, success. You might feel empowered. You might feel at peace. You might have joy. And that's fantastic. You might, might be here half empty. You might be disappointed. You might be discouraged. You might be in need of cleaning, of, of deep inner healing, of emotional healing. You might need actually some correction and, and bringing into alignment with God's will for your life. What I do know, though, is that every single one of us needs encouragement. And that's really what tonight is about, is about encouragement. It's part of a, a sort of a two-week mini-series. Tonight is going to be my testimony, and you're going to get a, a lot of sort of experience, and a, a kind of a life story next week. Israel's going to be sharing on encouragement as well. And so if you're one of those people that loves the Word of God, like I do, and I love Scripture, you might go home tonight a little bit uh, unnourished. If, you, if you're one of those people that just loves to dive into Scripture, I've got your back. Israel, next week, is, go, is, is going to bring it. So if you're one of these cognitive people that, that, that loves doctrine and loves theology and loves understanding a topic, you're going to go away next week 
much the wiser thanks to Israel. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> you will be blessed. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm, I'm just going to pray for us. It might last a while. I need it. Um, so if you bow your heads with me and pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for this night. I thank you that this is only possible by grace. Lord, and I just I thank you for every single person sat in this room tonight and anybody who walks in late. Lord, may they feel welcome. Lord, tonight I pray for a spirit of revelation. Revelation that leads to breakthrough. Revelation that leads to peace. Uh, revelation that leads to healing. A revelation that leads to to life, Lord, in you. Lord, I pray that you become center stage tonight. Everything that's of you, Lord, may that be a seed in people's minds and in their hearts. Lord, may I just get out of the way and let you shine. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for everything that you've done in my life that I might stand here in this privileged position, so humbling, Lord, that I get to speak to your house, to your children. Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, CJ, you ready? So epic, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) In the beginning. (laughs) Genesis and... uh, John and my two of my favorite books, but anyway, in the beginning, uh, I was born um, seven seven seventy seven seven pound thirteen ounces in Ward Seven of Umtata Hospital in Transkei, and so if you go to the first slide, that's me <laughs> on the right. <laughs> I, I was born in South. I was born in South Africa, and if you go to the next slide, oh, that's that's more me. It's all about me. Okay, the next one, please. Okay, so uh, many of you might not know where Transkei is and, and um, Tata. I've, here's a helpful graphic. This is me pointing to a dot on the map in South Africa. This is where I was born. And uh, I was raised in South Africa until about 10 days before my ninth birthday, before I moved to England. And um, so uh, I, I grew up in apartheid South Africa. Actually, in a big city, we moved to a place called Port Elizabeth, which is known as the Windy City. And so I moved over to England, and I joined an English school. And when I arrived there, people said, why aren't you black? And uh, because you come from Africa. It's like, okay. And uh, did you live in a hut? And I thought, these ignorant people. I grew up in this huge metropolis. South Africa is the, the most you know, advanced and technologically developed of all the countries in Africa. And... Uh, <laughs> in preparing for this, I put in my hometown of Umtata, home city of Umtata, into Google Images. And can you go on to one of me? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> the, the, so I needed humbling. This is Umtata this is in Trans Guy. So um, I, hope, I hope you can join me in laughing at that. This is just pride. It's just like, you know nothing about Africa. You're so ignorant. Um, but th- this is Umtata. This is uh, but this, this is not my... This is not how I remember it. Uh, anyway, so next, next picture, please. Okay, um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because uh, I want to get to the important stuff. I, I, I came to South Africa when I was nine years old. Um, and English, English. what did I say? South 
There you go. Those things might happen. Okay, stay with me. I moved to England with, with my mother and my sister and my grandmother. Sister went back to South Africa, and I was raised by my mother. My grandmother soon died. I didn't mind. We didn't get on. Um, we didn't. Uh, I thought she used to beat our dog, and I used to love dogs. And anyway, I was too young. Um, so my mother raised me, and we had a very close relationship. Um, at about the age of 16, I started to rebel in a big, big way. I was angry. I was disillusioned. It might have started when she presented me with a pack of letters um, from the father that I'd never met. Um, that, that might have been the start of the rebellion. It probably was. From that moment, I was off the rails. I dishonored my mother in many areas of my life, uh, and that must have broken her heart because we were very, very close. Very, very close. I was all she had. We were just, just the two of us growing up in England. Um, just before going to university, I took a gap year, though. And on the other side of the world, my sister, now six years older than I am, um, was on an airplane with somebody. Never met them before in their life. Started talking to this guy, old guy. She shared about the Lord. Um, this guy then died and left her money in her will, <laughs> in his will. She thought that money was money for me to come over to South Africa and spend some time with her. So I did. Uh, I was in my Gabby. I spent three months in South Africa. Uh, in that time, I went to a conference in Johannesburg and I gave my life to the Lord. It was amazing. My trip ended soon after that. I went back to England and immediately backslid. Immediately backslid. I went to university and lived the life. I played... Uh, Soccer at university, I drank too much beer, I wasted money, I asked my mother for more money, I wasted that money. Um, yeah. And so after university, I moved to London and um, I eventually got myself into an office running a web design business. This is a half serious photo. I never used to wear a suit, but we used to wear a suit on Fridays because they thought it would impress people. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is my office and... I lived the life in London. I, I, I was an independent web designer. I used to play sport. I used to go out and I used to party a lot. I was in a, a long-term relationship. I was living with a girl in central London. I was living the life. I was living the life that you see in magazines and is sold to us every single day. And if you go to the next slide, I want you to see these images because it's, it, this is real. <laughs> Sometimes I, I hear my own story and when I think about it, I, I almost can't believe it's real. This is me playing soccer, um, past the years that I'm going to make it pro. This is at a, me at a music festival called Glastonbury. It's kind of like Coachella over here. It's huge. 150,000 people getting very drunk and other stuff um, for four days. This is me partying on my 30, I think first or 32nd birthday. These are some of my best friends. This is me heli-skiing in British Columbia. This is jumping out of a helicopter and going snowboarding next to the border of Alaska. On the outside, I had the life. I really did. I lived in the coolest part of London, right next to Chelsea. If any of you have heard of Chelsea in central London, I went to all the hip bars and places. I had so many uh, friends. Um, I was held up as a... A symbol of what it means to be uh, a party animal. I was always first there and last to leave. I could never have enough. The truth was I was hiding a desperate struggle to understand life. I did not understand it. 
and I wanted to know. This verse means a lot to me. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Um, after eight years in a relationship with a girl, I was living with her. The questions about life started to weigh heavy on my heart. I realized that I couldn't commit to this, this girl and marry her, which I should be able to do after eight years. Something was bothering me. Something was bothering me. It was like a splinter in my mind, and I couldn't remove it. I was, I was carrying this decision for, for, for many years, and in the end, it became too much to bear. I realized it didn't matter how many heli-skiing trips uh, and snowboarding trips that I went on, no matter how many parties I went to, how much I drank, how many friends I had, how, how many Man of the Match awards at soccer I got, um, how much adoration I got from people when I told them, yeah, I run my own web design business. It never mattered. I never felt like I was moving forward. I never had traction in my life. Deep in the innermost part of me, I was broken. I was lost. I had no answers for people. And on top of that, I was, I was, I was, I was a slave to sin. My girlfriend used to come home from work and I'd be playing video games all day. I got addicted to them. So I'd be playing online and she would come home and first of all, it started that I would play just a couple of hours, and then I'd play a few hours in the afternoon, and then, and then more and more, and then she would come home from working a legitimate job, and then I would jump off that and go into my office and she'd say, how's your day? I was like, oh, I was hard, I was hard, you know, I was working hard and stuff. I was living a life of deception. And in front of everybody, I had all of the great Facebook updates about having good time and lining up shots on the bar and bottles of champagne and all this kind of stuff. But inside, I was in turmoil. Nobody would have known. That is a heavy thing to keep carrying. And after eight years, the, the, the wall started tumbling down. The, 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 the strands of my life started to come apart. I couldn't, carry, I, I couldn't carry it any longer. I broke up from the relationship, which essentially meant that I had no place to stay. At the time, that meant that my business was starting to struggle as well. I was not able to manage my clients. The cash was running out. I got drunk one night and left my laptop with all of my web design business in a taxi. I used the last money that I had to replace the money. I was, I was, I was in bad, bad shape. I was wandering around London um, like, like a zombie. I was numb. I was confused. I felt very, very alone. If you go to the next slide, uh, DJ, DJ. Th this was the reality of my life at the time. I was staying with a friend, um, just all of my junk in this bedroom, and I was, out of, uh, I was out of options and I was running out of time. Next slide, please. This is the crossroads of my life. And this, I sent an email out on the 29th of April, 2010. And this is it. I'd like to read it to you. This is, this is what happened. I, I, I read a, an email to my, my sister and my brother-in-law who lived in Crete at the time. Hi, Heinz and Lane. Sorry to put this in an email, but you should know I've broken up with Jules, my ex-girlfriend of eight years. I carried the decision to commit myself to her or end it for a very long time until I simply couldn't carry the burden any longer. Obviously, it's complicated, and although I'm no happier without her, I feel I made the right decision. The downside to the decision, apart from all the sadness of ending what was mainly a very happy relationship, has been that immediately I didn't have a place to live and the impact to my business, and I suppose that's the main reason for getting in touch. I'm going to skip that a bit. I find it so hard to say, but I need help, and I don't know who else to turn to. 
I'm doubly sad to be coming to you in a moment of desperation as I've been meaning to ask Heinz's help in taking my business Catch-22 forward for a while as things have been going so well recently. Emotionally at times, this has made me feel very alone. My self-esteem is low and the stress and the pressure of my situation has been intense. Although I've lived with anxiety for so many years, so I'm actually pretty good at dealing with it, sadly. In the short term, my need is financial. Long term, I know I need love, support and guidance. What I've come to realize is that my independence, natural and nurtured, and as a result of my life, has had a negative effect. I am and have been closed off at the deepest and most important levels, even to jewels. And that needs to be addressed at some point, and I pray healed. I'm not a believer at this time. If you can help, I would sincerely appreciate it as I believe it will kickstart the next part of my life. If not, I fully understand. I'm in this situation as the result of the choices I've made and, I have to, and if I have to face the full consequences, then maybe it might be the best thing that could happen to me. I think that all there is to say right now, apart from I hope you and the whole family are doing great. Lots of love, Cam. There is so much unbelievably good stuff in that email. I look back at it and I can't believe the stuff that I wrote. So email, uh, Heinz emailed back and he says, we can't help you with the money. I needed 6,500 pounds to pay a debt. I was in, in debt to, I don't know how much money to the UK government. I hadn't paid taxes for four years. That was a heavy burden. I lived with anxiety for as long as I could remember. That was a big reason for it. I'd have been avoiding the truth. I had nowhere to stay. I was alone. I had nobody to turn to and I needed money. They said, we can't give you money, but you can come to Crete and you can figure your stuff out. You can have a place to stay. You can work hard and your sister will feed you. I said, okay. So I, he booked a flight for me. I didn't have the money to. I missed that flight. I phoned him from the airport. I said, you're never going to believe this. I lived in West London, by the way. That's where Heathrow Airport is. 40-minute tube journey. I missed a flight. So tail between my legs, I phoned him up from the airport. I said, I missed the flight. He says, you're an idiot. Um, so he booked me another flight. I got on the flight the next day. I arrived in Crete. And um, I started living life with my family. By day, I worked about 10 or 11 hours a day working off this debt. God started to get busy. Within six weeks, I had paid off that debt, $10,000. For the previous, I think, four or five months, I looked in these folders, there was no money coming into the business. Nothing. Only money just bleeding out. And God provided in six weeks and paid that initial debt. If we go to the next slide. I don't know what's next. Okay. <clears throat> Who here is going to Crete on the mission strip? Okay. Jeremy? Chris? Uh, maybe you'll go on a pilgrimage to this beach. So for, the <laughs> so for about the first four to five weeks, by day I would work. My sister would have a bowl of cereal in the morning. I would work, and then in the evening, she would share the word of God. And I was listening. There is something about hitting rock bottom when you have nothing and you've destroyed your own life where you are willing to listen to what other people have to say. And so... I would go to bed at night and I would, I would uh, ruminate, I would meditate, I would think about these things and chew on them. At the same time, I, I, when I arrived in Crete, as soon as I arrived, I started running a lot, uh, which was fantastic thinking time, time away from the world and distractions. And after about five, I think about five or so weeks, I um, went on a daily run. 
thinking about these things and I and I ran to this beach and actually I was standing just a little bit left but pretty much at that sort of left spot of that picture if you can see it and just looked out at the ocean it was about the time of sunset and I started to think about what had been shared to me my sister told me that if I want my life to change I have to make a decision and I have to turn my life around. I have to make a choice and I have to make a choice for that. And so at this beach, I started to think about my life. On the one hand, I had paid off that debt. I was starting to get in good shape. I was running. I was enjoying life. I had been sort of restored a little bit. And I had the option of going back to London to my former life. And the truth is, when I stood at that beach... That was very, very tempting. I thought I could maybe just rejig the formula. And, I, I, and honestly, I thought about all of the temptation that lay ahead back in London. Very real temptation. And then on the other side, I had this, 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 this slight draw, like this is a magnetic pull towards this call that my sister had put in front of me about giving my life to the Lord. I didn't know what that looked like. Even though I'd given my life before, I backslid so quickly. What I did and I stood at that point is I pressed fast forward on my life going back to London and seeing what that would look like. And I, and I played out all of the things that I had done. And I realized this, that I would get to the end of my life and I would feel no different than I stood right there. And that, that broke my heart. I was like, I don't know what the other, other way looks like, but I'm willing to give it a shot. And literally, as I, as I turned to run home, I, I had made... That I, I had turned in my heart. I'd, I'd, I'd repented. Do you know what I'm saying? Something, something very special happened. And, and on, the right, on the run home, as I was starting to think of these things, the feeling of waste started to, to, to kind of load on me. I had this unbelievable sense of waste in my life. Money squandered, time, opportunities I, as Paul kind of mentioned, I've been born with natural gifts in sport. I use that as a mask to mask my true identity and, and, and the things that I was struggling with. Because when I walked in the school and I was the best soccer player, I was, I think, the best basketballer in the school. I was probably the best cross-country runner. I was one of the best tennis players. I had all of these things where I could walk around with confidence and, and strut around, but uns, inside just broken. What a wasted opportunity. All of those gifts that could have been used to so much good, but instead they were just me for my pride and my enjoyment. And, you know, and, and, he, and he loaded it on me. And as I ran back that night, I had dinner uh, with the family. And then I, I lay on a sofa with my... Uh, I was there and my sister was over there and I, inside I was crying out. I said, I don't know what this looks like, but I want to make that step. And my sister in the spirit understood what was going on. She said, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. And she prayed for me. I didn't say a thing. I just lay there like this with my arms crossed across my chest. And she got up and she said, it's done. I said, how did you know? A spirit washed over me. I felt immediate peace. Anxiety left. I felt loved. I cannot explain it even if I try. I felt amazing. I felt the chains had been broken. My life changed from that moment. I was living in the downstairs ba basement of, of the uh, Cretan house, and I would go at night, and I would read scripture, and I would, just, I would just weep on my floor. 
I, I was basically getting cleaned out and healed from a life of sin, a whole life. Day in, day, uh, uh, day in, day out, just dealing with all of that stuff and cleaning it out. It was just the most wonderful time. It was intense and painful as this stuff is going out and fatherlessness and the feeling of aloneness and just not knowing what life was about, just pouring out of me. If you go to the next slide, I think it's a picture of... Okay. So this is on a Thursday night. That week, I go down. It's my first week, uh, first day out of the house. I've kind of been in quarantine working away, and I go down to the beach, and this is my nieces and nephew, uh, my nieces and nephew, and we're playing in the sand, and along walks two people I'd never met, but one of them knew my sister, and I got introduced to this girl, and her name was Shelby. And I had a little chat with her, and then off she went to go, uh, she was at some beach party. And so I'm at the point of just turning my whole life around with all of this kind of wholesomeness and goodness. And I, and, but I wanted to go down and talk to her just so I could, you know, it was nice to speak to somebody my own age because I've been kind of cooped up for like five or six weeks. And she was chatting to some Navy guy with big tattoos and, you know, and she was holding a bottle of beer. And I just thought, no, that is, that is not where I am right now. That's... <laughs> she hates this part of the story. So I think, okay, I'm gonna probably never see them again. I don't know what's gonna happen. Next Tuesday, I go to my first Bible study I've ever been to. I walk in, and I'm sat down there, and I'm surrounded by Americans. I miss this part of the story. I have a love affair with Americans. So if you're American, the chances are, I kind of like a puppy dog around you. Uh, and uh, so, I just, wow, the guy is friendly for an Englishman. Yeah, okay. Um, so. <laughs> It just, everything I it's, it's so I could go into all that you're met yeah anyway okay so this is this is my sister isn't she beautiful um, I just taking a my engagement anyway so this is th this is this is the turning around and if you just go through the next picture this is me with uh, I think yeah my birthday that summer this is my little uh, niece Bangy and that's Connie and that's Maxie at the the Cretan house this is this is my sanctuary this is where God got to work with me and then if you go to the next one. Look, look at look at this. I ca it kind of similar. It kind of mirrors like the picture with my best friends getting drunk in London. But but look at the look at the difference. Can you see that? <laughs> I look at that and I just that that's that's yeah. That's what God does. And um, so if you go to the next one, we'll finally get to it. I think. Okay. So this is a this is a great picture for me. Um, so at this Bible study. I'm sitting there. I've been a believer, I think, four days. This is Thursday. This is on the Tuesday night. And I'm sat there on the floor next to a pillar. And I'm surrounded by this, 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 this unbelievable life change. Like in a blink of an eye, I was this lost, broken, no hope, suffered from anxiety and depression all my life, just my life upside down, debt. I just think life's going to end. And then I'm on this Cretan island. And I'm saved. And I go to this Bible study. I'm surrounded by young Americans. And they all love Jesus. And I'm, this is this is this is nuts. And then in walks in walks uh, from lifeguarding duty, Johanna and Shelby. Shelby's the one sort of highlighted to my right, and you can kind of just see Johanna to the left of me. She's yeah. 
So I'm sitting down. I'm a new believer four days in and I'm, I'm down and they walk in and I feel a voice say to me, everything I have for you in the kingdom is here. Now, I don't know if God talks to you like in that way, but I'm four days in and my mind is blown at the same time. It, it was just it was just a wonderful voice. And I. I and I don't mind how crackers that sounds to you. <laughs> I don't because it's 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 true. He spoke into my heart, but in in like a in a structured sentence. Everything I have for you in the kingdom is here. And so, for, actually, for the last five years, I've been trying to unpack what that meant. It, you know, did it mean one of those girls? Did you? Is it the group here? Is it Crete? Is it is it the fact that there's fellowship and mentorship here? What is it, God? I still don't have the conclusive answer to that, but it was a beautiful thing. Um, so this relationship started at this time of turning around in this turmoil, and Shelby and I became more than friends after a while. I was obviously coming out of an eight-year broken relationship. I was not looking at all. In fact, I was so on fire for Jesus, I was kind of hoping and thinking that my whole life would be single, that I would just pick up the book and run. And tr I, I didn't know what that would look like, but, you know, I kind of had some romantic ideal about traveling the earth and spreading the gospel and just and, and sharing my message. I was not interested in looking. It, it, to, Shelby was just a, a, a human being, a person, which in itself is, a, is an unbelievable testimony to the power of God because of the life that I'd lived before. Um, and so next image. Let's go. So we began today. This is our first ever date. The hippie on the left is still me, the beautiful girl. <laughs> uh, it blows my mind. I would love to tell you the whole story about us and, and our, our love story because it's amazing. So particularly for the women, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not going to give it the, 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 the time it deserves, but it is an amazing story. So from the date, it led to engagement. Yes. That is a 10 euro Cretan ring. I'm classy. I know Shelby didn't marry me for my money. I had no money. I was in debt. I had a huge tax bill weighing over my head. But that was the most. She doesn't like that photo, so move on. She, why didn't you choose a pretty one? Okay. Um, we went on to get married. During that period, Shelby's brother-in-law, Billy, who was married to her, her older sister, became a mentor of mine. I connected with him via Skype. He said, anybody that is important to Shelby, I want to get to know. Amazingly confident and at the same time gentle with it. But he was interested in me and my life. And I just stepped out and I said, one day I said, I saw how he interacted with his wife. I, I heard how Shelby talked about Billy and his life. And I said, would you be a mentor of mine? And he was, a, he, he, you know, his, that was new to him, but he was kind of like, hmm. That was kind of bold in return. He kind of like went forward and I said, okay, I'll see that and I'll raise it one. I want you to be my mentor. And he's like, okay, well, I don't know how that's going to look, but let's do it. And Billy became an integral part of my life in that time. <clears throat> he, he married Shelby and I. Um, whilst that's going on, um, God was reuniting our family. Our, our my whole family had been separated for a lot of uh, our life. I grew apart from my mother um, this photo is of me preaching my first ever sermon and my mother was there. Wow. Whilst I was away from the Lord, 
after backsliding. I was away from him for 13 years and my mother was praying all of the time. She honestly thought I was lost. I outwitted her, I could outtalk her, nothing she could say. My mother was not uh, somebody with a, a kind of faith that could just kind of burst in and, and just break down the doors and she wasn't like that, but quietly she was praying every single day that her son would come back to the Lord and come back to her. I can't imagine the amount of heartbreak that I caused my mom, but I know that a lot of healing happened that day when I preached my first sermon in a, in a, a local Greek church that became our church. Um, God is a God of redemption. You need to understand that. Next slide. <clears throat> I love this verse. I love this verse. Um, Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, that, that, is, that is my reality. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I, I did not grow up in the church. Um, everything was new to me. So my reality is that nearly 2,000 years ago, an event happened that has transformational power. It has transformational power. I am the result of stepping out in faith and accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He pursued me. He came after me. But it required <clears throat> my collaboration. I needed to I needed to accept it. I needed to take off the, the, the yoke of slavery and put on his yoke. It's not a passive thing. I took it on and I was trained by it, trained by the Lord. So here are just a few things that I, I pray will bless you and maybe help you on your journey. Some takeaways that I've experienced uh, in my journey. These are personal to me. These are things that I've uh, realized and experienced. <clears throat> How many of you would like transformation in your life? Would you like transformation? I'm excited about transformation. Some of you I may have ne never met before, but I am deeply interested in your journeys. I am deeply interested. Somehow God has healed me and loved me and cleaned me up and given me a passion, not only for the things that will happen in my life, but those around me. It's, it's inexplainable. It's unexplainable? Better. Um, <laughs> grammar Nazi myself. Good job, Englishman. Um, It's unexplainable. Here's some things. It starts with truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. He is the light of the world. Now, it's interesting. Jesus comes into our midst, I believe, and he says, here I am. It's an invitation. If you look at a lot of the accounts of Jesus and interactions with Jesus, it requires an action. He says, I come and I, and I knock on the door of your heart. He who hears and opens the door. Jesus with Peter stood out the boat and he said, Lord, Lord, if that's you, call and I'll come. And he says, come. It required Peter to get out of the boat. There is an action involved, even in that verse. We think, oh, oh we just become a Christian. No, 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 it is hugely proactive. 
it starts with truth. We have to understand that we're in need of a savior. If, if you don't realize you're broken, you don't need a healer. If you think that you are not thirsty, what is good as somebody holding you the cup of living water? If you are satisfied with all the stuff that you're putting in your life, you say, oh, what do I need Jesus for? He's saying, I will feed you. There needs to be truth. It starts from there. If you want to build your house on the rock, that foundation needs to be built on truth. He cannot build on lies. So there needs to be an acknowledgement of, of, of lostness, of brokenness, of need of, in need of a savior. It just starts with truth and honesty. If you want to grab hold of somebody who is calling himself the truth. If you want transformation in your life, you're going to need to ask for help. Primarily, that means going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, help me. I cannot do this. But of other people, that involves, that involves humility. That is not an automatic action for human beings, saved or unsaved. Humility is not natural. But saying, hey, I need help, that is hugely difficult. We live in a culture of independence. It is the culture which we live in. It is embedded in this American culture. It's the thing that makes it great. And it, you have been fed the Kool-Aid since birth. It is the land of the brave. It is. It is the, the land of opportunity. You are the prospectors. You are the entrepreneurs. You are, you are those guys. But it makes it incredibly difficult to say, hey, I need help. I need help. Transformation requires an encounter with God. If you want to get in shape, if you want to do incredible things, jump out of a helicopter, go heli skiing, run a successful business, you do not need Jesus. You do not. But if you want lasting change, if you want eternal change, things of eternal significance, you need an encounter with God. And that is something that you need to figure out. I was speaking with somebody just last week, and we were talking about our stories, and he told me his. And, and it didn't surprise me when he said his, his, his greatest year ever and breakthrough came and started with an encounter with God he had in his car. I was so blessed by his story didn't surprise me. I said, okay, well, that matches up with that, 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 and that. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be explicit about this. We need an encounter with God. We often substitute the real thing with podcasts, sermons, books, worship music, We substitute that for the real thing. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It is him. It is him. You have to figure out how to encounter God, how to get alone with him. Those things are great, but you take enough of them and they will be a barrier to the truth. Nothing is better than 100% organic, one-on-one -on -one intimacy with God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If I learn one thing about my transformational story, and this might be a, a little bit of a, a help to you, is that God took me out of my situation. He took me out and away. And I got to, time to think about 
these things. Face hard truths. Search scripture. Think about these things and meditate. I'm going to say this. I've lived in four different countries and I've traveled to other ones. I think this is the hardest country in the world to be a Christian. I mean that. I mean that sincerely. This is the hardest country in the world to be a Christian. That should be, (laughs) that's meant to be an encouragement. If you're feeling like, man, there's always stuff to do. I'm always so busy. My phone's always going. There's always something to do. There's another movie coming out. There's, 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 there's so much distraction. I've got so much noise, so much cultural noise. Is it just me that's struggling to be a Christian and walk out this, this life of faith and overcome? I don't think it is. But I think you can be honest and say, okay, that's, that's the cards. I'm going to work with that. Last point. God doesn't give complete plans, so quit asking. (laughs) Five years ago, I I said yes to Jesus. He started restoring me, cleaning me, healing me. He restored my family. He blessed my business supernaturally. He gave me an unbelievable wife in Shelby. He saved his best for me. Blows my mind. A godly woman on fire for Jesus. Wanted to change the world. Save every sex trafficked woman in the the world with Johanna. And go and trailblaze and and, and travel the world. And that's, (laughs) you know. And when I think about what I did to God. How I turned my back. And all of the things that I found myself in and all the things that I gave myself to and the money that I squandered and all of the things that I did. And for him to not only save me and give me eternal life and a sense of peace and joy and and, and people around me that would bless me and encourage me and build me up and restore me. On top of that, he gives me a wife. And now I stand today, five years later, And I get to see a little bit of the finished story. I stepped out in faith. I married Shelby based on a scripture. You can't can't erase eight years of brokenness and and an inability to commit to people because of a fear of yourself. And then within a matter of months, be ready to marry somebody confident because of the faith that he has inside him. It was because of Jesus in my life. I tell you that. That is the truth. I married Shelby based on a scripture. I stood on that as truth and I said, God has got to be you because I know I can't do it. He doesn't give complete plans. I can look back now and say, wow, that's amazing. I can say, oh, I see, I see now you're a God who can be trusted. You fulfill your promises. I can say that now. But at the time, no, I just got out of the boat. I was like, okay. I could just see the first step. It was enough for me to to step out. So I just want to thank you. I think that's where I'll wrap up. Um,
Yeah, I'll just I'll just add one more thing. I want add one more thing um, that should have been in my notes. Um, you have to invite people in. You have to invite people in. That is the initiative part. We've just been learning initiative in our discipleship group. You have to invite people in. And then if you want to go one step further, which is really the key to, 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 to unbelievable breakthrough, not only do you invite people into your life to see the, 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 the darker parts, the things that cause us the most trouble, the most stress, the things that we're afraid, that, that we're shameful of, the things that we want to hide, not only do you invite people in, but then when they say, hey, this is the way out, you say, okay. Use knowledge and discernment. You don't put yourself at the feet of somebody who, who hasn't got your best interest at heart. But it starts with, with inviting people in. A bad mentor is better than no mentor. I truly believe that. Where the perfect doesn't exist, grace abounds. Grace abounds. But you have to take the initiative, the step, to say, okay, I want to invite you into my life. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel right. It's going to be awkward. I Skyped Billy. I said, I want you to be my mentor, and it was awkward. Man, has that guy blessed my life. Man, has that guy blessed my life. And everybody that I have invited in has. It will bless them, and it will help you get tran transformation and breakthrough. On your journey, God knows what you need. And God's method is a man. That's why I'm stood up here. He wants to use you to help others, and he wants others to help you on your journey. It's God's plan. His method is a man. And so I'm going to wrap up in prayer, and then uh, I'm sure Paul will want to segue into some ministry time. Let me, let me just wrap up in prayer. Is that okay? okay wonderful lord i just lord i thank you for our time together tonight lord i thank you that you are a god of redemption that you are a loving father god i thank you that you can be trusted that your word never returns void lord i thank you that i can stand here tonight five years after my rebirth and stand on the strong foundation that you laid you have never let me down. You have always provided. You have always come through. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that I do not have any secret access, any, any special access to you, that you are a God who loves his children, who wants to bless, who wants to change, who wants to heal, to clean. Lord, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray for anybody here tonight that needs encouragement. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you enter in. Touch them in the deepest parts of their hearts so that they know that you are Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that it was finished and it was resolved at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you did what we could not do before we were even born. I thank you for that reality. I thank you that it is... It is it is not us, but it is all you. I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Amen.